Thanks for being back tonight to worship together. Mark, thank you for that song, that last song. It's a new one on me. Never heard that one before. But I, it was beautiful and um, very scriptural, and I like that. How would you rate your material status in the world? Where would you put yourself? Would you put yourself as poor? Or would you put yourself as rich? Or would you put yourself maybe in the middle? Not so poor, but not so rich. Maybe just right, right in the middle. Maybe you would say that you're probably in the middle. But the problem, I think, that we have is that we're all rich. We tend to measure our material status by the people that we're around. The problem is we're standing in the middle of a pool of people that are all rich, trying to determine if we're rich or poor. We're all rich in America. If we zoomed out and considered our wealth and our prosperity to the wealth and prosperity of the world, you'd find out that we are all very, very rich. I saw a number that says something like 50% of the world's population live on $2 a day or less. That tells you how much abundance we enjoy here in America. And as I've said before, we're in one of the richest areas of America here. We have so much. And as a result of our financial prosperity, we face some very distinct and real spiritual dangers. Jesus warned about this in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, notice what Jesus said, verse 23 beginning. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say to you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This is a passage that is admittedly difficult to understand. But passages that are difficult to understand, we often focus on what the passage does not say, and we fail to realize what it does say. The passage says that it is difficult, very difficult, extremely difficult for a rich person to enter heaven. And that ought to give us all pause Consider what Jesus is saying. How then can we have any hope of heaven? Living in America in 2021 or 2023. Sorry, I'm two years behind. In 2023, how can we have any hope of going to heaven? Well, notice the context that follows in Matthew chapter 19, beginning of verse 25. When his disciples heard it, they were very or exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them. And said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God's word has the answers to how we can make it to heaven as prosperous people. And it's not a sin to be prosperous. We shouldn't feel, feel guilty that we live in a prosperous country in prosperous times. But we need to be aware of the dangers. We need to be on guard. And we need to see what God's word has for those who are rich. You know, many times when we talk about rich people and we read about the warnings to rich people in the Bible, we think that's somebody else. That's somebody else. That's the guy that's got that really big house. 
But when the Bible's talking about rich people, it's talking about us. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to understand the problems that come with prosperity so we can be on guard against them and we can overcome the challenges that are presented with us as we face uh, the challenges of prosperity. The first problem I believe that comes, and I've entitled this sermon The Problems of Prosperity. That indicates that maybe I'm going to talk about all the problems with prosperity. It should probably better be entitled Some of the Problems of Prosperity because there are many. We're going to talk about several tonight. And one of those being increased pride. As we acquire material blessings, we begin to think that the reason we enjoy the blessings we enjoy is because of something that we've done. That we're the reason why we enjoy what we enjoy. And the scriptures are very clear on the fact that we're not responsible for the blessings that we enjoy. The blessings come from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land. Now you will remember they were slaves in captivity. They came out of captivity. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They are basically on God's welfare as he's provided for them. And now they're going to go into the land of Canaan and they're going to become incredibly prosperous. And God says there's a problem when that happens. You're going to start to become proud. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and are full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, and thou say in thine heart, My power... And the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. The folly of the Israelites is obvious here. If they were to get lifted up in their pride when they got into the promised land and think, well, well, we are the reason why we got all this. How stupid that would be. God had given them all of that. And so it is with us today. I want to tell you, we live in a land that almost fits exactly with how God is describing the promised land, doesn't it? The land where you shall eat bread without scarceness, you shall not lack anything in it. When was the last time you didn't have enough to eat? Now, there may have been times that you went to bed hungry just because you didn't have time to stop and get something to eat. But it wasn't because you couldn't get something to eat. A land with bread without scarceness. A land where you shall not lack anything in it. Is there anything that you lack? 
You ever try and buy a birthday present for your spouse? It's not easy, is it? Because we don't need anything, do we? We have everything we could desire. That's where they were going. That's where we live. Also says you, when they got there, they were going to say in their heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Do we say that? You better believe it. Why do you live in the neighborhood you live in? Why do you have the job? Well, I went to school. I applied myself in school. I was really studious. I stayed up late studying. And when I got on the job, I worked really hard. And I climbed the ladder and I fought and I scrapped for it. That's why we have so much. No. No. We have what we have because God has given us what we enjoy. Afraid that we fall into this same trap. What do you think of when you see someone who's having trouble making ends meet? What do you think about when you find someone or come across someone who doesn't have all of their needs met? Do you think, well, he ought to get a job like me. He ought to get up early in the morning and beat it like me. He must be lazy. Too bad he didn't have the discipline he had and the $4 I had to to get what uh, the education I got and to work hard like me. If he had done that, he wouldn't be in that spot. You see how we're lifting ourselves up with pride? And we're starting to think that my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth? Pride comes with prosperity. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into this trap, the same trap that God was warning the Israelites about. Oh, but that's not me. That wouldn't be me. I'm not proud. I'll tell you, we live in a society that a person's status and his significance is based upon what he has. And so we have to show off our wealth, don't we? We've got to have the status symbols. We've got to have the big house. We've got to have the fancy vehicles. We've got to have this or that to show off our status, our wealth, because it lifts up our pride. And this is exactly what the Israelites were warned about. Instead of developing our pride, we need to develop an attitude of, our, of gratitude towards God. In Jeremiah chapter 9, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, read what God says here. In Jeremiah chapter 29, or 9, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glory, glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Instead of being lifted up with our pride because we have so much, let us be thankful to God and let us remember that God is the reason why we enjoy the things that we enjoy. Closely associated with this, another problem with prosperity, and it is closely connected with this idea of pride, as we become more prosperous, our pride increases and we begin to trust God less as our prosperity increases. After all, if we've made the way for ourselves and we've got this big pile of wealth that we're setting on and it's our doing that did that, then why would we need God? We trust God less as we get more and more prosperous. In fact, that's 
what 1 Timothy chapter 6 warns us against. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, charge me, you, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Notice what Paul tells Timothy. He tells those who are rich that they be not high-minded. Don't be proud. We just talked about that nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. The problem is when you get a big pile of wealth, you want to trust in that rather than trusting in God who gives you the ability to have that. Are you guilty of that? Now, when you read that, you might say, oh, that's not me. But are you guilty of that? Let me tell you, what happens when you're faced with a situation that might compromise your ability to make a living. Maybe it's some type of physical illness, some type of disability that might cause you to not be able to work a job anymore. Or maybe it's layoffs. Maybe the, the, maybe the Grim Reaper's coming around at work and he's getting awful close and you might be you as the next on the line who maybe get walked out the door. How do you handle that? What do you think? What comes to your mind first? Do you think, well, you know, I've got an emergency fund. I've been listening to Dave Ramsey. I know what I need. I've, been, I've done that. I've got my emergency I'm going to be all right. My bank account looks pretty good. I'll be okay. Is that what you think? Or do you think God will take care of me? God's going to take care of me. I'll trust in Him. Do you see how we begin to trust our uncertain riches, which Paul was warning Timothy about? And instead of trusting the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, not only are we disobeying, disobeying God when we put our trust in riches rather than in Him, we're also putting ourselves in a very vulnerable position where the things that we trust can vanish in just an instant. In Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah chapter 17, we see the benefit of trusting God instead of trusting the uncertain riches. They're uncertain because they can come and go in an instant. But if we'll trust in God, we'll be like that tree that's planted by the water, Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17, beginning of verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the, the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf will be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit." There's nothing said there about this tree's bank account. There's nothing said about this tree's emergency fund. This tree trusts in God, and it will never be moved. God tells us to put our trust in Him over and over again. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, Matthew 6, verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and all these things shall be added to you. Don't worry. Now, if you're trusting in your riches, you have plenty of things to worry about. But if you're trusting in God, God will provide, and we need to trust in Him. God will provide for our needs. Ironically, though, when He has, when He's provided for our needs and even gone beyond that and blessed us abundantly, we're often tempted to trust in the blessings that we enjoy instead of the one who's given us the blessings. It's one of the problems of prosperity. Another problem of prosperity is that prosperity brings with it an increased love of the world. Along with our blessings comes the increased opportunity to enjoy some of the pleasures of this world. We have the ability to enjoy things that we wouldn't have had the opportunity to enjoy if we were poor and barely getting by. And when these opportunities are presented to us, many times we go after them with great zeal. How many of us here have more hobbies than we have time to pursue? How many of us have closets full of sporting goods and hobby supplies that we can't even get to because we don't have enough time to enjoy them all? How many of us are planning that dream home that we want to build? Because we've seen all the magazines and we know exactly what that, we want that dream home to be. Now, none of these things are wrong in and of themselves. But I want to tell you the temptation is when we focus on those things, it takes our minds off of things that are spiritual and puts our minds onto things of this world. And it encourages a love for this world and a desire to make this world our home. We need to understand, though, the exact opposite should be our mindset. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. People of faith realize that this world is not their home. But with all of the prosperity that we enjoy... We can quickly become to love this world and desire for this world to be our home. I think I've told you about when we visited the Biltmore Estate in North Carolina several years ago. I took Nikki there because I was just trying to do my husbandly duty. I thought it was going to be a total waste of my time. I actually enjoyed seeing that and being struck by the enormous wealth that that gentleman had. But if you visited that home and you've seen all of that, you will likely remember the fact that he died, I think, within a couple years after having that home completed and moving in. And when I learned that, I thought, well, what a waste. Wasn't that a shame that you couldn't enjoy this big mansion that you built? You died. Wasn't well, that exactly what we're talking about? That would cause you to love this world. And it has caused us, I'm afraid, to love this world. This world is so comfortable and so pleasurable for us because of the prosperity that we enjoy. It takes our focus off of God and causes an increased love of the world. We like it here. It's comfortable. It's fun. And we want to stay here. I told you about the little shack that was next door to our house where we built our house. Where the family raised four children in a little rundown shack. 
There was a well by the house, but it had bad water. The good water was several hundred yards away from the house. And they had to carry water from that well to the house so they had something to drink. The house was heated with wood and had a wood stove to cook on. And I can imagine those cold winter mornings when you had to get out of bed after the fire had died and you had to get dressed and you had to go outside and get fire in the wood in the cold to build the fire so it would get warm and comfortable in the house again. And there was an outhouse by that house, and I can imagine the unfortunate times when you had to get up in the middle of the night when it was cold and rainy to go to the bathroom. And then when your kids got sick, you didn't have any medicine for them, and you had to watch them and hope that they didn't die. And you had to go through all of this. And I can imagine that the people who lived in that shack We're a whole lot more ready to go to heaven than I am in the comfortable home that I have with a thermostat that hangs on the wall and keeps the temperature within a degree 24 hours a day. Our prosperity will take our eye off of our goal. It will cause us to love this world. It is an absolute danger. We have to be aware of that. Now, I'm not saying that we need to sell our houses and go buy a shack. But I'm telling you, we need to be aware of the danger that we face as a result of our prosperity. Our prosperity also, closely associated with this increase of the world, is a decreased spiritual focus. Too often, I'm afraid that we're distracted by, from spiritual things because of all the physical blessings that we enjoy. We've got no time to work for the Lord. We've got no time to study our Bibles because we're too busy with our recreational hobbies, with our vacations, with taking care of the nice big houses that we have and the nice manicured lawns and landscaping. We've got all these things that we've got to do now because we have so much, and it's crowded out God. It's crowded out our focus on spiritual things because we have so many physical blessings in this life. It reminds me of the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 15. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this I will do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here's an example of a man whose possessions took his eye off of God. He had this incredible harvest, more than he could hold, an incredible abundance. And what did he do? He started shopping for barn builders. He started looking for the best building materials he could find so he could build bigger and better barns, so he could store all of those possessions. 
And what was his focus? His focus wasn't, well, I'm going to use these possessions to serve God. No, his focus was, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to make a big pile and set back on it. His, his focus was taken away from God. And I want to tell you, our focus can be taken away from God. That's exactly what Jesus said in, Luke, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Brethren, what are we treasuring? Has our prosperity taking, uh, taken our eye off of God? Has it taken us away from being focused on spiritual things to be focused more on physical things? tell you, there's nothing wrong with our, our prosperity. This lesson is not designed to make us feel guilty about the blessings that we enjoy. We need to understand the dangers associated with them. Another danger of prosperity is that when we become prosperous, we can become greedy if we're not careful. And that seems a little ironic as well. You would think that people who've been blessed as much as we have been blessed would be extremely thankful and very content with all that they enjoy. But it appears by the world that we live in that that is not the case. And it can be that way for us as well. Have you ever known anyone who, although they had great abundance, they kept working like crazy to get more, just a little more, a little more, a little more? We can fall into this trap if we're not careful. We can be just like the parable of the rich fool above that we just looked at, where we want to have more and more and more. We want to have bigger barns. You know, that guy's barns were big enough before he had that great abundance, weren't they? He obviously was making do with the barns that he had. They stored enough food for him to get by. But when he had a big abundance, he wanted more. He wanted bigger barns. And so it can be for us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. And you've seen it, haven't you? Maybe you've seen it in your own life. When you got that bigger house, was it enough? When you got that possession that you thought would be great, was it enough? When you got the raise that you were looking for, did you ever say, well, that's enough? I'm done looking for raises now. I've got enough. Anybody ever said that? When you got your bank account statement last month, did you look at that number on there? Well, that's, that's big enough. I, I don't want that number to go up one cent. I, I, that's exactly what I like right there. No, we want more, don't we? We want more and more and more. And as a result, we fail to be thankful and we complain about what we enjoy because our greed causes us to want more. And nobody should have to live in this house that I live in with the outdated cabinets. I'm going to tell you something about that. That is a crime to have to live in that, in that kitchen with those cabinets. And that car that I drive in that has leather seats and air conditioning with the scratch on the door, that is just too much. I've got to have something else. We need to be careful. Prosperity promotes greed. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into that same trap. Finally tonight, I want to tell you closely associated with that greed 
is a decreased compassion for the poor. It would seem that those who have been blessed in abundance like we have would be excited about helping those who are in need. After all, we've got more than we can use. we got more than we can use, more than we can even count sometimes. You would think that people who have been blessed like that would be very happy to help those who are poor. But I'm afraid that many times this is not the case. Instead of capitalizing on every opportunity that we have to help someone in need, we pass by on the opportunity. Instead of being knowledgeable and compassionate, our prosperity has removed us from those who are struggling. And when we are presented with the opportunity, many times we pass. I'm afraid we might have become like the rich man in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. In Luke chapter 16, beginning of verse 19. In Luke chapter 16, beginning of verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The rich man had an abundance. He fared sumptuously every day. I fare sumptuously every day. You do too. And the Lazarus just wanted some crumbs. And the rich man was unwilling to share. He had lost his compassion for the poor. And that can happen to us as well. We need to make sure that we're aware of the dangers of prosperity. And these are just some. But the scripture is very clear about the dangers that are presented to us because of the prosperity that we enjoy. An increase in pride. A decreased trust in God. An increased love of this world. And a decreased focus on spiritual things. Increased greed and decreased compassion for the poor. We, as the fortunate ones, we who many in the world would look at as being the fortunate ones, face enormous challenges because of our prosperity. We must be very careful and diligent to make sure that our prosperity doesn't cost us our soul, because it will cost many their souls. I think it one reason why there is such a lack of interest in spiritual things in America today is because of the prosperity that we enjoy. You go to places where there isn't as much prosperity and you see a difference in the focus because prosperity has taken people away from a desire for God. We need to be careful. In this passage that we looked at at the start of the lesson where Christ's apostle disciples were concerned about who could enter the kingdom of heaven, after he told them it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. God has given us the answers to how we can remain faithful in spite of the prosperity that we enjoy. We need to be looking to his word for guidance. And we need to be diligent to make sure that we're not falling victim to the temptations that come along with the prosperity that we enjoy today. Again, this lesson is not intended to make us feel guilty for the nice things that we enjoy. But let's keep them in perspective 
Let's use them the way God wants us to use them. Let's keep in focus of what we need to be doing with them and what our ultimate goal is, and let us never take our eye off of heaven. If you were given the option of leaving this world tonight, would you say you're ready? Or would you say, you know, well, you know, in a couple weeks we were going to go on a vacation. I'd like to do that. Well, well, you know, we, we're, we're getting ready to move into a bigger house. I, I, let me just stick around for a little while for that. Or would you say, yes, sir, I'm ready right now? If you can't say you're ready right now, what's keeping you from that? Is it your possessions? Is it some sin in your life that you haven't been willing to give up? Is it because you haven't totally given your heart to the Lord? If you're here tonight and you couldn't say, I'm ready right now, can we help you get ready? If we can, we let us know while we stand and sing.